You're listening to the Southampton Delivery Podcast, a podcast dedicated to the Southampton Football Club and all of the SFC fans. If you want to have guarantees, you have to buy a washing machine. Either we win or we learn, and today we learn. Abdacha, Hotel, Shotakizabi! It's in field to Mane, 25 yards out. Lovely ball for Pella. Onside, 1 0! Bufal shot! Oh my word! He ran around a bit like Bambi on ice. It'd be very, very embarrassing to watch. And now, your host, Matt Markstone. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Southampton Delivery Podcast, a podcast dedicated to the Southampton Football Club and all of the SFC fans. My name is Matt Markson. I'm the host of the show. And no matter where you are, no matter how you may be listening, whether this is your first time or you've been here before, thank you for making the show part of your day. I hope that you enjoy it. And if this sounds a little bit different, it's because I have been relegated from my normal recording space, which I have so thoughtfully crafted uh, so that sound doesn't reflect off the wall and all this other stuff. And uh, I've really thought about it. I put a lot of thought into it, probably way too much, uh, more than anybody would actually probably care to hear about. Um, but but I've been kicked out of there today because my son is playing Fortnite and he's yelling at his friends. And uh, I was honestly just really enjoying uh, listening to that because he's very frustrated because they apparently are not very good. And uh, yeah, he is actually pretty, pretty decent. So um, anyway, I am in the bedroom with a new microphone. Um, and uh, it's uh, I'm testing it and it, I think it sounds OK. And um, we will see um, if anybody says anything. So that's not why you're here, obviously. But uh, this week I am joined by Jamie Grant and Jamie runs the Southampton page on Twitter, Instagram and Facebook. And Jamie is uh, or the Southampton page is the official partner page of the podcast. And that's all Jamie's doing. Jamie came to me. Jamie said, hey, I think I can help you. Uh, a little bit with uh, putting the show in front of some more people. And I think it would, it would be beneficial for everybody involved. And as his page has grown um, now exceeding the 20,000 follower mark, um, it really has, it has had a huge impact on the, on the podcast. And I really do appreciate his support and I've tried to help him out uh, as much as I can in, in other ways. Um, and it's, it, it's been a great thing. And so Jamie and I have become pretty good friends. Uh, we were in a couple of, of group chats together. We talk, quite frequently. Uh, sometimes we just jump on Skype just to, 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 to see how things are going. And it's, it's pretty awesome. And today was one of those days where we happened to pick, um, this, this match to talk about because it worked for both of us. And it just so happens that last time we played Lester, we also talked last time we played Lester. Uh, there was also a red card shown to one of our players. And so it's becoming a thing, but, uh, at least this time, you know, the team managed to, uh, get a win out of it. So, uh, we'll talk about all of that. We, I don't know. I got kind of excited and lost track of, of things. So, uh, hopefully the coverage of the game is, is, is acceptable. Um, we also talk about some transfers, some listener questions and all of those things. And, and just so people know, um, if you want to send in questions, you can do that at any point. Uh, we always put a post up on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook about, about sending in your questions. And if you want to make sure your questions get on the show, um, that is part of one of the benefits of being a Patreon member, you go to patreon.com slash SFC delivery. You can sign up to be a Patreon or a patron of the show, a supporter of the show. And one of the things you get is priority for having your questions answered on the show. 
One of the other things you'll get as a Patreon member is you will get your name mentioned on the show when you sign up. So special thanks to Chris, uh, who is at a saint in London, who sent in a question this week, but also signed up to support the show on Patreon. Thank you so much. Also, thanks to AJ Reardon, Dave Lee, Giorgio Spagagna, James Hope, Kevin McGee, Mike Binks, Ordinary Mike, Rob Clements, Shaw, and Stephen Brandt for all supporting the show. I really do appreciate it. And uh, one of the new things that is coming as a result of that is the show's website. So uh, if you check the show notes or head over to SouthamptonDelivery.com, uh, you can sign up for a newsletter there that will basically just use, uh, we'll use to update you as the website comes along and when new things are added, things like that. Promise not to spam you. If you want to check it out, uh, do that. It's, it's pretty basic right now, but uh, things are coming along nicely and I am very, very excited. So uh, enough of that. Let's jump into the conversation with Jamie Grant. Uh, once again, follow the Southampton page on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook if you don't already. And uh, thanks for listening. We'll talk to you next time. We'd like to welcome back to the Southampton Delivery Podcast, Jamie Grant. He runs the Southampton page. You can find him on Twitter at Polish Maldini. And uh, once again, we've we've just discovered that uh, this is the second time you've been on this season. I think uh, it's the second time we've had a red card uh, before your appearance, and it's the second time that we have played Leicester when you've been on the show. So um, a better result this time, but uh, we, there seems to be a little bit of a pattern here. Yeah, I think I'm uh, someone that attracts red cards. It's all right. It's <laughs> all right. Suspensions are good as long as it's not from Twitter from posting, uh, you know, Premier League content. Uh, then your your account doesn't get suspended. So, um, but yeah, but uh, as everybody I'm sure knows, you you are the official kind of partner page of of the show, and it's it means a lot to me to to have you do that to uh, put now all twenty thousand of your followers on Instagram uh, behind the show and keeping everybody up to date with the news and everything else. So uh, thank you for that. And congratulations on hitting that, uh, that milestone. Yeah. Thank Well, first of all, yeah, it's always a pleasure to be a partner. Like I said, it's always good to share your podcast each week, but yeah, the 20 K is, I said, I, I still can't get over it now. I mean, I, I always have, well, I never set out to be a massive page. I mean, I, I was pleased to hit 10 K. So to hit 20 K is just, mad and it's just it just shows how many people actually like what i do which i didn't think hey was that good at first, but obviously people must like it to have 20k people following it well yeah and it doesn't happen overnight and you've been doing this now for a number of years and it's been kind of uh not slow steady growth but it's been steady growth since uh since you kind of took over and i remember even just kind of going into last summer you were somewhere around seventeen thousand or something like that and now it's up to up to 20 and we were all kind of watching the the followers kind of tick up tick up until it finally hit 20,000. So that's uh I mean that's that, that's a that's a significant number of people and it seems yeah like people are always interacting with the page. They seem to to like what you do. So uh, I think you've proven that you you have uh, some understanding of what of what happens and what people like. And whoever puts a comment on I always try and have a conversation. What would be nice is if I could just divide some of my shit, my uh, followers with my t- Twitter page, also we're a bit down on that. So if I could have, if I could bring some over from that, then I could share. But I said Instagram's my main thing, really. Obviously, I've got a, as you know, other people that do the Twitter. So, but yeah, it'd be nice if I could get more to come over to Twitter, though. That that'd be the next aim, really. Yeah, I think Twitter's a bit of a different. It's different. The 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 posts, you know, the pictures and stuff that you post on Instagram and writing the caption and stuff that holds not for 
weeks at a time, but it holds for a day or so. With Twitter, it seems like the tweet is gone. I think the life of a, of a tweet is something like 12 minutes normally. Um, so it's like, you know, it, it just requires something a little bit different. So uh, I appreciate the match updates because most of the time I am watching the game and then sometimes I, you know, have to step away. And so if I'm like uh, the Derby replay will be the first day of, of school for for the semester for us. So I won't be able to watch it. So I will be uh, uh, I will have my phone and I will be following your Twitter feed. So I, I appreciate that. Yeah, thanks. Yeah, I normally do it or either Jack or Aiden you spoke to last time covers it but yeah it's always fun I mean I said yesterday wasn't so fun to cover I mean I was, I was trying to do updates while trying to keep myself uh, <laughs> keep myself stable so yeah it was, yeah. Uh, it was an emotional one yesterday <laughs> it was and and I, I will say that normally when I scheduled Aiden to come on last week he wasn't yet helping out on the Twitter account and then it just kind of happened that uh, normally because normally I don't schedule people for the same page or outfit or whatever for the back-to-back weeks but you know, we'll make an exception since you're the official partner. Um, and yeah, and we've had this set up for, I don't know, I want to say like two months. We've, we've had this date set out. So it's nice that it's here and it's nice that it's a, a good result. But um, yeah, I mean, let's let's jump into it, I guess, because uh, there's kind of a, plenty to talk about. We have plenty of listener questions and things like that as well. Just before the game, the the story with, with Claude Puel, at least in the in the, the media, and we've talked about it in the group chat and, and via text and everything else, is people aren't happy. I mean, they're still sitting uh, pretty high in the premier league table. Uh, they are, they're out of the, of the FA cup though, unfortunately for them, but people seem to want Claude Puel gone. And that is something that I think you and I understand, but also at the same time, it's like, what do you, what do you really want Lester? Like Lester said, you like, what do you really want? And I think, I think, is it just the entertainment factor that's not there for them? Well, I put out a tweet yesterday because I saw someone comment on you and, the thing for me is, is I said we. I get where they are on the table, but as I said, it's the thing is for them is I think it's the entertainment value of the football that Leicester play because obviously we know. I said because I was reading. I think they were saying on Radio Sound yesterday that the goals aren't flowing for them, and but despite where they are on the they are in the league, and that's like I said, it's a big case for me. Is the same as what it was like here, so. Two sets of fans to be saying the same must show there's something wrong with Claude's philosophy in football. If two sets of fans are agreeing with the same problems he's facing, it, well, it seems like some of the people that I listen to when they talk about his time in in, in French football, that the people are generally happy with him. Like he's well respected. Uh, even the fans were okay with with how things go. It just he's not. He's definitely not. Uh, I don't know. He's not pleasing on the eye, I guess, to the English fan, and and they want something different. And especially the team that he took over at Southampton and at Leicester city, they took over teams, you know, that were kind of both counterattacking and, and a kind of high intensity. And he's kind of changed that. And I think that the fans, you know, for us, it's, it's, I kind of forgot almost what it was like to have a manager who set the guys out to press and run hard and just kind of wreak havoc on people. And I think that's, it's, even if we lose, it's much more entertaining to watch. And I, so I think, from 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 that perspective, I definitely understand where the Leicester City people are coming from because you think about when they won the title, they weren't passing the ball around; they were basically saying, "Here, take it, and uh, you know, we'll we'll beat you anyway." It is it's, it is a weird situation though with Pure because Leicester have had some weird results. I mean, they beat who was it? I, I think they beat a couple of the they beat some of the big teams, and then they lost to Cardiff, and then they beat someone else 
again, and then they obviously lost to Newport, which was a bit of a shock, and then they lost to us. So the, it's weird, the results, despite him beating the big teams, aren't enough for Leicester fans. So obviously it's the, let's say, so-called smaller teams. I wouldn't count us in that list, but the so-called smaller teams he's losing to. So I think that's the problem, even though he's getting big results. So he drew at Fulham. He lost to Tottenham. He lost to Crystal Palace. Uh, they went out of the, the EFL Cup to Man City on penalties, which was a horrible shootout, by the way. Um, then they beat Chelsea. They beat Manchester City, lost to Cardiff, uh, beat Everton, lost to Newport, lost to us, um, and lost to a 10-man us, which, which is what we'll, we'll talk about um, soon. But yeah, so that whole thing. I mean, uh, everything that Adam Leach has ever said about him is that he was a super nice guy. He was, you know, a, a joy to be around in terms of, of just having conversations. And he was always nice and all that stuff, but just didn't ever quite click with the fan base. And, and it, it's showing up again. And I don't know, I don't know, you know, how much of the media to believe in terms of him actually really fearing for his job or not. But um, yeah, so um, anyway, our team kind of what we expected uh, i think when i predicted the lineup i had it all except for i put gun and goal because i thought that was what was going to happen especially uh just just with vardy kind of my my fear was him running in behind and running behind bedrack and stevens and and uh, vestergaard who are not the uh not the fastest people on earth and i thought that that gun was going to be the the guy to come in but um what did you make of the lineup and how did you feel about the the selection and then Romeo uh remaining captain and all that stuff um well I mean, the goalkeeper situation has, has been interesting. Obviously, we'll get onto the other keeper, uh, onto Forster later on. But with I, I thought it'd be gun because of him coming in, obviously, for the um, Chelsea game, how he played, and then obviously he, he faced Derby. But then Ralph said on Solent yesterday that he'd always said to Gunn he was only going to give him the two games anyway, which obviously I. I thought it was a trial to see if he was number one, but he, but um, it was. I was pleased to see McCarthy because I, I think for McCarthy it's a good thing he got dropped. Well, not dropped. I don't. Know, I said he said he was given gun a go, but it just shows there's a bit more competition for him now. So he's got, and now he's got a thing. Every time he goes into the games, if I don't play well here, and it's going to be straight to my spot because I'm Ralph, as we've seen with Ralph already, he's not afraid to make changes when needed. If you get what I'm saying. Yeah, and I, and I think that given the run of games that we had, McCarthy had played a lot of minutes, and I, you know, we can, we don't think of goalkeepers as necessarily getting tired or or anything like that. But he had he had played so many matches that to give Gunn a run of two matches in a row, I think was was fine. And it just so happened that Gunn played really really well. And sometimes I think we we read too much into stuff. We 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 don't understand what's going on in the dressing room. We don't. We're not the ones having conversations with the manager or. Or, or the the players themselves, and even in the in the in the press conferences, you know, he can't divulge all the information because there's there's you got to reserve some sort of advantage against the opposition. But I don't know. I was really impressed with Gunn, and I think maybe long term, maybe he is the answer. I, you know, and and I think we'll see him again at, at Derby County, and and we'll just kind of see how that how that progresses. And I think that I think that if McCarthy were to get injured at some point, I think that we would see Gunn come in, and that might. At that point, McCarthy may not come back. I mean, I think that would be the, the, the up to gun in terms of how he played and, and things like that. But, but yeah, uh, you know, we went into yesterday. We we haven't had much success up at Leicester City, um, the King Power Stadium. Even though it is the exact same stadium as as St Mary's, it's the exact same kind of layout. It's uh, 
we, we don't seem to feel to play well. And actually you kind of think of it that way. We play just like we play at home uh, poorly. Um, <laughs> so uh, maybe that has something to do with it, but we, we go into that in that match depleted in terms of, of strikers. Uh, we have uh, our normal captain suspended uh, Lamina, who is, has played a significant role this season is, is out. And you look at the team that's out there and you know, um, the guys on BBC radio Solent were not, overly optimistic i don't think adam blackmore was you know said I, I wish i could be happier i wish i could be more optimistic but it's just hard at this point so i mean going into the match were you feeling like we had a chance or were you feeling like this was going to be one of those ones where we were probably just not going to see any goals and just try to eke out a draw or maybe lose one nil or how were you feeling I, uh, I, it was obviously a joke tweet but i did say if we got anything out of the game i'd give ralph the freedom of southampton because literally the the how many players we had out I mean, but then I say that I did a, cause there's a, there's a super six thing. You can do a prediction on, I put us to win two, one. Now that was, I did that before, obviously Austin got banned and stuff like that. <laughs> that was done before then, but I still stuck with it. So I had a feeling that we could, then we could win. And then obviously I looked at the lineup and I was thinking it's not bad considering. And obviously how well he's been doing lately, I sort of had a little feeling that he would, make a good impact so yeah no i thought considering what we we didn't have i thought that was the best line that we could put out on the day sort of thing like like you said with with the people that we were missing this was i think the best we can do and i think for me the big thing is armstrong and redmond are in there they are fine the back three is is the three center backs is kind of what you would expect valerie and target have been fine um in terms of of playing wing back and really targets the only option over there and um so yeah, you see that, and I, I think like that is that's what we have to do, and and it's it was going to come down to I thought Redmond and Armstrong really being able to um, to create some chances, and we saw that they kind of did that early, um, and then you know Romeo and Ward Prowse played well together uh, last time they played, and they they did it again. They they looked okay, and I always worry about Ward Prowse not being strong enough in the middle of the park, but he has proved. Uh, over the last couple of games, I think that he's he's maybe there's something there that that Ralph is, um, you know, just kind of taking him over and said like, look, you got to be a little bit less nice and you got to be a little stronger. And, and I think Ward Prowse is is taking that and and run with it. And um, you know, I don't think either one of those guys is going to keep Hoiberg or, or Lamina out of the team. I think maybe they can keep Lamina out of the team, one of them, but it won't be. I don't think we'll see Romeo Ward Prowse going forward. Uh, week in week out because I think Hoiberg's going to come in and take a spot which I think is is deserved. Yeah, I mean if if Hoiberg can stop getting a nice red card every so often, I mean we can. I mean it'd be nice to see him actually. So I said it is. I mean we joke about his red cards, but I do feel we do miss him in that middle. I mean Ward Prowse is a player that I've I've got mixed views on. Obviously you've seen over the last. I, I try not to be because I still think there's a lot more to come from Ward Prowse, but I must admit the last few games, Ralph is starting to get, I think, something out of him. But I totally agree with you. As soon as Hoiberg's back, he'd be straight in that midfield. And I think he likes Lamina too, so I would imagine that we'd see Lamina and Hoiberg back together anyway and and Ward Prowse back out. But like I said, it's, it's more options. I think the more competition you've got, the more 
good for us. That's what you want in every position. Good competition. And you want the manager to be saying, oh, am I selecting this week? That's how you want it to be. Yeah, and, and I think it gives us uh, the ability to change and add an extra midfielder if we need. And by doing that, I think it will allow us to to just kind of change and when we come up against some of those teams that maybe we need to play three men in midfield so that we don't get overrun or whatever it is. And I think that that, that flexibility will be good going forward. Um, and yeah, I mean, we're going to need all the help we can get because we're granted we're out of the relegation zone now, but it's still not, I mean, it's by no means a guarantee. Getting getting into the, in, into the game, um, I think, you know, Chilwell, uh, Ben Chilwell, who was called up to the England squad, I think not too long ago, uh, was, was, you know, was keeping Bertrand out of the squad for there for, for some time. And I mean, he just had a terrible game. He was kind of the center of attention for, for a lot of it. His, him and Valerie seemed to, to go at it quite a few times. Um, he was, you know, not, he wasn't great yesterday. And uh, there was a couple of times that he let the ball kind of run out of play and, and wind up giving us a corner and things like that. But I thought, uh, you know, he gave the ball away initially for, for Armstrong shot early on. And when we saw kind of how we were pressing, I was kind of impressed with that. Um, and I don't know, like looking early on, it looked like it was going to be Redmond and Armstrong that were really going to be the ones that did it. We kind of talked about that a little bit, but um I guess, I guess the penalty comes from is what we have to talk about right away. And, you know, for as much as we talk about long, not being able to score for as much as we say kind of, you know, what comes from all of his running and all this stuff like yesterday, he was one, the guy who scored the goal and two, the guy who got the penalty. Um, so he plays a direct kind of role in, in both goals. And, um, you know, as much as I think Charlie Austin finishes uh, much better than, than Shane long does. And, I say that with the straightest of, of faces. Um, he he doesn't do some of those other things. I think that that and you know whether Shane Long goes, this is my chance to prove to everybody that I that I can do this, or whether Shane Long just says, this is uh, I I am the only person to go out. I have to go out there and do this, and and I'm just going to play my game. And um, getting the penalty was uh, no no question on the penalty. I don't think, but um, when the when Casper Smigel plays that ball out, um, I think it's Target who beats is it all bright into the ball maybe um and then kind of armstrong plays it just a little loops it over the top to to long who makes a good run and and mendy wraps his arm around him and pulls him down i mean i don't think i've gotten anything out of out of line there i think it's pretty straightforward right yeah i mean i mean uh, long's a obviously i'll go you make a whole podcast about me talking about long but i'm not gonna do it but like i said yeah i said i thought yes Thing is, I will. There is there is some credit I'll give him. No matter he, like I said, it's a, a phrase that I see a lot, and it does slightly annoy me, but it's true. He does work. He is someone that wants the team. Obviously, that's not enough for me, but he does. Like I said, he will run and run. I mean, for his age, I think he was he thirty two. I mean, he's still able to do what he does. Chases after defenders. I mean, he is. Like I said he's not my cup of tea. But he is to, for other managers. He does different things that managers like. Obviously, like I said I trust in Ralph selecting him. Like I said it's not always my 100% decision. But if he does like he does yesterday, I mean, then I'm happy to be proved wrong, and I'd happily admit that I was wrong. But still, his goals for me aren't enough, and he needs to be scoring more than that as a striker for me personally. Anyway. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Um, 
And I think I, I've said this before, but I tend to defend Shane Long because I am that player. I am absolute garbage, but I will work really hard and run. And I've been that person my entire life. So it's hard for me to just then slate Shane Long because uh, I, I can I can see myself in him a little bit. You know, say whatever you want about that, but that, that's that's OK. Um, so Ward Prowse steps up to to take the penalty. Um, hits it hard. Good placement, side netting. Schmeichel gets a little bit of a hand to it. No big deal. It's in. We're up. And that's the first goal, I think, that we've scored there since 2011, uh, according to Adam Blackmore's tweet. I mean, that says something. And then and I also think that's James Ward-Prowse's first goal since February of t- 2018 uh, for, for the club. So, um, Or maybe that's just in the Premier League. I'm not sure. But, I mean, we're up one. It's early on. Leicester City don't look like they're enjoying our us pressing them. I, I thought the team... Yesterday, I thought we played pretty well. I mean, we didn't have a lot of the ball, and this is even before uh, the Valerie situation. Vardy, I mean, was almost non-existent through the first 23, 25 minutes. Um, and yeah, I just can't. I mean, there was there wasn't a, a lot going on. It was it was a it was a game of football, but there weren't there weren't really clear chances kind of going around. Um, I thought Maguire had a couple of chances that uh, we needed to learn from. I think he got free a couple of times and you would expect him to do better. Um, and then I think the, the next kind of big talking point is, the, is that, that Valerie Chilwell uh, challenge. I mean, they had been, they had been competing against one another um, down, uh, you know, the Saints right hand side. Um, but then uh, Valerie goes in with that challenge kind of right on the sideline and he does go over the ball. And I thought that was that probably should have been a yellow card in and of itself. Um, I know some people in our in our chat didn't uh, agree with that, but I thought Valerie was lucky not to get sent off there. One for the yellow card challenge for the potential yellow card challenge of him going over the ball. Then the coming together where they were both booked. I thought that that Valerie is maybe uh, lucky to escape, and and I don't know how you felt about that. Well, I to be fair, I think both Chilwell and Valerie sent off. To be fair, the movement from. I, don't, I think there's a fight, there was a fight going around where Chilwell had Valerie in a headlock sort of position. I don't know if that was you that shared that. Or someone shared an image of him. So I think both of them maybe should have been sent off for the event. So, But obviously, in the end, Valerie did get sent off. But I think Valerie was just... I don't, I don't know if this is the right word to use, but I felt like he was targeted a little bit. Like the crowd were on him because of the incident where they said he died in the box, which I, I'm still unsure about. So I think... There was a bit of an atmosphere on him already. And then obviously that incident happened. So I, I said, my looking at it is I think they both should have been sent off for it. And I said, his, his, I mean, Chilwell's should have, I said, for his actions as well. So yeah, I think it should have been a red card both sides. Yeah. So, so you, you go back to that. I mean, the, the not, I want to call it a diving incident, but, but Valerie goes down in the box and people were not happy. And, and the players, you can see the Leicester City players were not uh, at all okay with that they all they all responded pretty pretty uh by, by getting kind of in his face and stuff like that you do that you add to it the challenge on the sideline uh you add to it probably some of the things that were happening off the ball that you and i didn't see watching on tv and i i hadn't seen that from from valerie yet but it seemed i think that he he just lost his head just just a little bit and when he pulls back i think it's all right and to, to get the red it's uh one he's on the wrong side of him he's he's he is uh, closer to the sideline than than the Leicester City player. Um, he's already run into him once and knocked him down. Then he pulls him back, and it's just like you just can't do that on a yellow card. It's it's got to be a yellow. Now we're down to ten, and we I went from feeling pretty good because I, I we hadn't really been troubled to 
now going like, oh, God, oh what's going to happen now? Like, how are we going to do this? We're going to have to change shape. We're going to have to do this. We're going to do that. Um, I don't know. I, I was super, super worried. And then, well, the th- and the thing is as well with that incident is Ralph actually said to Solon that he wanted to bring Valerie off sooner for Cedric, but obviously, I think I don't know why. I, I, I don't remember why he said he didn't. But he was going to bring him off before he got the red card because he could see it was. You see it he was struggling. So if he'd have got Cedric on before, then he might have not been sent off. But I don't know. I, I don't think he said the reason why he. He just said he should have got Cedric on sooner. Yeah. Um, that Bednarak clearance off the line uh, from Morgan's shot. That came. That whole chance came from the original challenge where both him, both Valerie and Chilwell were booked. Um, then Valerie is sent off later on. But yeah, I mean, part of what I was thinking and, and looking is where is where is one of the veteran players coming over to Valerie and saying, hey, calm down. You're okay. We're in this. You got to be aware of the situation. And I guess part of it is the fact that you look around the team and who was there? who's going to do that? Who's been in the team long enough? Maybe Redmond, maybe McCarthy. Uh, but you look around and none, not, none of some of those other guys just haven't played very much. Some of those guys are new to the team. Um, and so it, it's hard to, to really be mad at anybody for coming over, even though my initial reaction was somebody has to go grab him and say like, you know, just grab him by the face and just squeeze his cheeks and say like, just calm down. Yeah. Well, that's the thing that, well, that's the question of Southampton. Anyway, everyone's always been saying we haven't really had any, I mean, we haven't had any leaders in the squad and that like I said, but I noticed Redmond, and so Redmond did try and uh, protect Valerie, sort of thing, like a little brother, sort of thing. Go over, like leave him alone. But like you said, there's no, we don't really have that person that goes. Do you know what I mean? Like a, if it was a Fonte, for example, you'd probably go, "Come on!" Like you said, "Come on, just calm down." You, you know what I mean? It's, I get, like I said, he's still a young lad, so he's going to learn. There's no point people ripping into him and saying, "Do you know what I mean?" He needs. I said he's young. I said he's still got to learn. But then sometimes he's the way you got to look at it. He's, he's in a big league now you you can't always go oh he's young he's you know what i mean but then you've got to have a bit of a split split view on on him sort of thing in that sense yeah, yeah absolutely absolutely and, and it's it's just moments like that that can be the difference between getting points and not and potentially staying up and going down and that's i think that's where it, it comes into to play for me is I, I tend to get uh pretty upset with guys getting sent off and I was it was quite critical of Hoiberg for for doing that, um, you know. But it's it, it's it is what it is, and luckily, I, I guess you the you look at it as guys have had the opportunity now to come in and prove themselves, and and they've done that that pretty well. And and so just moments after he's sent off, um, Shane Long manages to score a goal, which is I think his second goal in thirty three appearances or something like that. So, um, I mean, I wasn't expecting it and i don't know i don't know if you saw the replay i know caster Michael has to come out and save that the angle for long wasn't good i almost don't think the ball was going in unless caster Michael gets a piece of it i think he actually deflects it back towards his own goal which i don't want to take anything away from shane long um but just every time i watch the replay i just go that ball was going well wide and we were all just gonna throw our hands up but uh it's in and uh we're up to nothing going in the halftime and i think that i don't know if it made me feel more comfortable but uh it, it definitely changed kind of my reaction a little bit at least well the thing is actually it's, it's a funny i don't know if you've heard this that but i'm just going to use it on on you now but shane long's last four goals have come under four different man i don't know if you've heard that four I different did. managers the pure pellegrino hughes and obviously ralph so but yeah i mean it's one of them goals 
I looked at it and people were because obviously I was listening on the radio, so I didn't see the goal. But everyone was saying, "Oh, I'm not sure it's his goal." It's no but when I look at it, I mean, I watched it on match of the day, and it seemed like it was going in. I think Casper helped him a little bit, so no, everyone would probably expect me to go. No, I don't want him to score just so I don't look because obviously I'm not a, the biggest fan of his. But I think looking at it, it would probably it probably was going in, but because of the I think Casper did help him though. I'll I'll say that. I'll say he helped him. Yeah, I I think we should give him credit at least a little bit because, I mean, he he created that. He it kind of came out of just a a, a kind of a weird bouncing ball, and the fact that it was Mendy, the same guy who gave away the penalty, I think helped him out a little bit too because it was that that same man that he beat again, and um, similar to kind of seemed like Chilwell seemed to be in, in Valerie's head a little bit. I think. Long was definitely in Mendy's head a little bit, and, and, and it worked. But, um, you know, we, we go into halftime, we realize that we have we have 10 men, but a two-goal lead. It's a place that we've been before. We've given up two-goal leads before, but uh, for some reason, I felt a little bit better. Even at 2-1, I started to get a little bit worried, but but still, uh, something something was different. And I think I saw somewhere that we had something like 10% possession for a portion of the second half and still managed to... Uh, uh, to to eke it out and and I think that tip that that sums up Claude Puel's philosophy in terms of we can have a lot of the ball and not really do anything versus uh Ralph which is basically you know um keep your shape hit them on the break if you can um but really everybody has to work hard and we have to close people down you can see that uh when Shane Long came off he was uh I mean every time the ball went out of play he was hands on his knees just exhausted and it was uh I don't think we realized kind of how much effort it actually takes for these guys to to do that week in, week out. And um yeah, I mean it's mentally draining, it's gotta be physically draining, and, and I, I really appreciate that all of that. And I think it it we can appreciate it and say this, I think possibly because we won, and um, then it means something. If we if we don't do that, then we just say, you know, uh, you know, it's just not good enough. But I think this is this is was was a great result. Um I thought Bednarak was great again. I don't know. I don't know, you know coming out of that how you how you feel about the the whole thing well i mean I, you don't need me to praise bednarak i love the guy so <laughs> and i and i said i still i just i will still n- never understand to this day and if anyone ever grabs him for an interview i'd love them to ask mark hughes why he decided bednarak wasn't good enough for that team i mean every time i see him play i just think he's getting better and better and better and, and i'm so glad that ralph has seen that and i'm like i said i just don't understand why as i said mark hughes abandoned him from the team and was sticking with Wesley for all them weeks when he was so poor and but like I said Ralph is like I said he's coming and looked at players like Bednarak bring him back in the team and you can just tell and and I mean he's got a team that was playing dreadful football under Mark Hughes to play like that like you said they're all, at the end of the game they're all on their knees but it's a massive thing to Ralph like I said he does a week of training and he's got them playing like I said I've not I mean, less. What was the first game we had that we really saw? It was against Arsenal, wasn't it? And he uh-huh. was, ri- and that, that I've never seen the players do that. But, I mean, and all of them were knackered at the end on the floor, out of breath. But that's what. That's how I liked. I said that's how I liked it under Pochettino when he first came in. He changed the whole thing, and I said it's got to be credit to the manager and to bringing in players and his choices and the way we play. And like you said, if it comes off with a win, we're all smiling. If it comes off, everyone's like, oh wow, we've done all that for nothing. But like you said. We always come out after the game thinking there's room for improvement after this, regardless of how we've performed or or how or what the result is we get. 
I think that even, I, I think you're right. I think no matter what, there's always room for improvement. And I think that Hassan Hudel will recognize that. I think the players will recognize that. And I, I think that, that from us as fans, I think we can appreciate the fact that they run hard in, and maybe I just to clarify kind of what I said earlier, like if we do all that running and we lose, eventually we will start to become critical of us not having the ball and things like that. But it's just because we want the team to win, if it, if it, you know, and, and we were always going to look for, for improvement and some people are just going to complain no matter what. But for the players, if you go out and play that style and you don't get results week after week after week, eventually it will start to wear on you as why am I putting in all this effort? But when they do what they did yesterday where they put in all of that effort, they run themselves into the ground and they are drained at the end, but they get three points and they see the reactions of the fans. They see the appreciation of the manager. They see kind of what it means to all of us. I mean, going around the Saints FC hashtag yesterday was one of the most positive things that it's been in a long time. and. I think that when they see that, that gives them the, or it just kind of maybe it reaffirms the fact that, that they're doing the right thing. Um, whereas if they, <laughs> if they lose week after week, then they're just like, why would I, why would I do this? You know, I can stand, I can stand just, just uh, our side of the center circle and just wait. Uh, and I don't have to close the people down and, and we'll get the same result. And that it's much easier on my body. And so, um, I, for that, I appreciate the, uh, the people doing that. But, um, Let's jump into some questions. We have uh, some questions here, and then we'll make sure we talk about uh, some of the team news and stuff um, afterwards in terms of departures if we don't get to it from some of the questions. But um, people can leave questions on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook. They just look for the post that asks for them. They can also send an email, southamptondelivery at gmail.com, or uh, direct message on any of the social platforms. But uh, one thing that the Patreon members at patreon.com slash delivery get is they get uh, the ability to to have their questions be given priority. So we have some questions from some Patreon members here. Uh, Rob Clements says, given the performance, should Long and JWP perhaps start again next week? Um, now, I'm not sure who's going to be fit next week, but but would you give Shane Long a, a run out? And do you think, we, we talked about JWP a little bit earlier. I think with Hoiberg coming back, I think it will you know, I think Hoiberg's going to slot in that second spot next to him, whether it's Romeo or JWP, I think is kind of up for grabs. I think it can go either way. When, when we, when he says next week, does he mean the Derby game or the Everton game? You mean, I'm guessing he means Everton, does he? Yeah, I would, I would assume so, but I have no idea. <laughs> uh, well, unless, if he's talking on the basis of Everton, I'm sure Ralph said that Ing, Ings was, well, Ings was going to be an option for Everton. I think, um, but I, I could. It depends on what what Ings is, because um, I don't know if Ings is back in training at all. Obviously, I know Ings will more than likely miss Derby. Right, I wouldn't um, even risk him there. No, I wouldn't risk him. no, I would. I think Long. If Long was going to start, I must admit, obviously, I thought this is really dependent on the availability of off of Femi Long. Uh, sorry, not Long Ings. Um, and Austin will be back as well, so he'll come back into contention. Well, well let me ask you this. Let me ask you this. If anybody else is fit, if Obafemi's fit, do you start him over Long against Everton? No. You start Long over Obafemi? Sorry, no. No, if Long... No, if Ings is back, I'd start him over him. Sorry, yeah, that's what I meant. Yeah, okay. So I, I think on the death chart, right? Like, Ings starts if he's fit. For me, I don't know if it's Austin, Long, or Obafemi. After that, like, other than Ings... Everybody else is a crapshoot, you know. Um, I 
I don't think Charlie Austin brings enough to the team. I think he can do a job for 20 or 30 minutes. So maybe you try to unsettle Everton by just letting Long or potentially Obafemi run at them for, for 60 minutes or and then you bring on Austin or maybe you you let Obafemi start. But I don't know if Obafemi is, is uh, I don't know. I don't know if he's seasoned enough to start a Premier League match up top. And I think that, that with the goal, I think that Long is going to probably get a chance if if nobody else is fit. Yeah, I think I said the thing is with Long is I, I think he's someone you like to bring on towards the end. Like if a defense is tiring, you bring on Long to run them down even more. So, I mean, depending on availability, like I said, if Ings and Offerfemi are still not back, then I could imagine yeah he'll probably start against Everton. But but yeah, if it was me, if I said the thing is with Offerfemi is he's another one I put him in the value category of still learning, but obviously it's 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 tough to say still learning because like I said he's in the Premier League now, so you can't really be learning. You need to be jumping up to the level now. But like I said, he's still got a lot to prove, and I think he's he's, he's another one that Ralph likes because of pace and that sort of thing. And also you got to throw Gallagher into the mix as well now because he's there as well. So it depends. Also, I wouldn't say Gallagher's the star by no means, but but yeah, I, sw- I think long starting against Everton would depend on who's back, and obviously we won't know that until. Um, next Thursday, which is obviously Ralph's next co- press conference, so we'll we'll, we'll probably know clear next Thursday if Long's going to be starting or not. And, and that kind of comes into or brings up the next question from from Kevin McGee, who is another patron. So uh, thank you so much for your support. He says, "How many changes uh, should the manager make for the cup game? I understand the need to let young players have a chance and and rotate, um, but I don't want to see a reserve team when I turn up on Wednesday night. Um, I, I mean." I haven't given this a ton of thought because I still think the Premier League is 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 you know obviously the the focus of the uh, of the club and and so I think that's going to take priority. But we don't have a ton of options. Um, Hoiberg is still out. Lamina, who knows if he's going to be fit? We don't know about Bertrand. Um, so you would assume that that Target would potentially be in. That Cedric's going to play um, on the right. The back three will probably remain the same. Uh, maybe Ramsey comes in, but who I don't know. I don't know why you would do that. I think we'll wind up seeing Slattery again in the middle. Uh, I think we could see some changes for for Redmond and Armstrong. I think Ellie Nusi might come in. Maybe Sims. Maybe um, was, it, was it Johnson? Maybe you know. I think that might be that might be kind of how it looks. And then it just depends on on how you uh, how, who who plays up top and whether it's Long or or Gallagher or Obafemi. Who knows. Um, I just remember the last cup game. I just wanted to predict a lineup so I could write basically my long Johnson uh, across the top of it. And I managed to do that by putting Elianusi long and, and Johnson in the starting lineup, even though I didn't think that was going to happen, but uh, I, I just thought it was too funny to not do it. And I really had no idea who's going to play. So um, I don't know that those are my thoughts. And I don't know if that's a reserve team or not. I think Elianusi has got to do something to to prove himself here. Uh, he's starting to run out of, of chances, I think with saints fans and, uh, we always seem to pick one or two people to just to just harp on, and I think he he might be it. Uh, he might be he might be it if if he doesn't uh, change it around pretty soon. Yeah, I mean, on on the cup team, I mean, it's a it's an interesting one. I think I mean the derby lineup we put at derby way surprised me of some of the players he put. I think like you said, with injuries, we're still gonna have the same people out. Still be no Austin. Still be no Ing. Still be no. I think Lamina will still be out. I think there'll still be no So I would, I think it will probably be a similar lineup to Leicester, but a few players coming in. Like I think probably 
Cedric will start, like you said, because of Valerie. I think Elanucci will come in. I think Long will start again. I think he'll continue to keep him up there because he's got no, because he'll want that pace. So Long's the only pace striker he'll have. So I think Long will remain up front, even though he probably would want to change him. I think so. I think it'll be pretty similar. I'm not sure he'll bring Gunn back in for Derby. Um, I, I think he will. I think he will. I think Gunn's yeah, going to get the cup game. Would. I'll probably bring him back again. So, and like I said, I think he'll bring in Slattery, Elanucci. So I think it won't be, because I said, I see what Kevin's saying about what happened. About the young, so I think it will be. I think he'll mix it up again. I think he'll bring in players that need games, and I won't mean to be surprised that obviously bar a couple of injuries, that he didn't play the same team he played against Derby the first time. To be fair, so it might be similar to that anyway. But yeah. like you said, I'm more. I think we. I'd love to go through though because I think that the game after that's quite a good one for us. But obviously, like I said I'm the league. It's, it's a bit of a debatable one, but I don't see why we can't have a run. And try and stay up at the same time because we did it uh, under Hughes, didn't we? So right. Well, we don't have any other competitions to worry about. Um, I think that if you look down the road, replays aside, which I think the only replay we could we could have again would be against Accrington Stanley because all the other replays have been thrown out. Um, so that's w- potentially one extra midweek game uh, for the foreseeable future. I think we only have two. Uh, in just the regular Premier League season, so there aren't uh, there aren't a lot of excuses. There's a lot of time to train. There's a lot of time to rest players and uh, focus on on one one competition or another. Um, you know the the FA Cup doesn't have the two leg semifinal like the EFL Cup does, so it's just you know a, a couple of, of matches. So you just kind of look at it and go like you know have a run. We've had a run cut the past couple of seasons though. You know uh, getting to to Wembley each uh, each of the past two. So for me, it hasn't always carried over into us actually taking form from one competition to another. But for people, I think, who are living in in England and, and being able to see the team and follow them up and down the country, for them to be able to, to go to Wembley and have a cup run, I think, is, is important. Yeah, that's what I mean. So, and it's always good for the confidence if you're winning in one game and then winning. Do you know what I mean, and, and I'm sure and it's a good week for us because we've got two home games. So it's going to get the crowd in on Wednesday, mm-hmm. uh, Wednesday, Wednesday, yeah, Wednesday night. Then we'll be back home. So if we can just start picking up a run, of, and it just gets everyone. Do you know what I mean? You get a win against Derby. You've got a, a fanciful tie next. But obviously, it's never, uh, never hundred percent when you play a team like Everton because anything could happen. But right. I said that's the game to look forward to. And then obviously, like you go into the Everton game, which is another home game, and it just gets people. Like I said the people's spirits up, and it's nice to just keep winning. That's what you want. And it helps the training and keeps. I said keeps everyone happy and keeps the same. Hashtag from not melting down. So, you know I mean, it's happy day. Yeah, it makes it a decent place to hang out um, or at least look at. Um, so last question from uh, patreon.com. Uh, Giorgio Spicania uh, says, with the flurry of loanies coming back this January, most being on a season-long loan that are being cut short, do you think this is Ralph wanting to take a look at our youngsters or do you think other clubs uh, or other clubs thinking they aren't good enough? And thinking for some of them that have come back, um, Sims wasn't getting in the team at Reading and the, the manager there said the squad was bloated. Although I also saw him wanting to sign a player. Um, so who knows what's, what the real case is, but he wasn't getting in there. Um, I think some of the other guys were, were injured. Um, and so them coming back because of injury, I think is, uh, you know, if, if they're there and they're, I think Southampton wants to be able to take care of their own players if, if the, the injuries are there. So 
I think that is part of it. But I also do think that it's at least a little bit of, of the club saying, look, the last manager maybe didn't want these guys here. He didn't, he wasn't going to play them. He wasn't going to look at them. We needed them to get game time. Now, perhaps Ralph wants him here to push and he wants here to, to develop uh, and get them to play in the system that they're going to be playing in if they make it to the first team. Whereas before, it kind of just looked like we rolled the ball out and said, uh, go four four two and enjoy yourselves guys. And that's, that's kind of the, what the training methods and, and management style look like under, under Hughes, where now I think that it takes a little bit more coaching, a little bit more, uh, a little bit more kind of insight and, and time to pass that onto the players. And I think that bringing the youngsters back, getting them healthy and, and, and kind of schooling them in that thought and doing that all the way through the Academy, I think is, is, is part of it for me. Um, I don't know if how much you agree with that or not. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, looking at the players that have come back, Jake Heskev's back not because he wants to be, because he, unfortunately for him, I mean, he's he he didn't miss he missed um, or was say the game against Man City. I mean, I don't know if it was really a game, but um, <laughs> so yeah, so he back from obviously with an injury. Jake Flanagan, who's been on the books for a very long time, I can't see it. I mean, it's an all due respect, will go will be nowhere near the first team because he's been here for. He's one of them people that seems to get contracts every year, and I don't understand why. But he's enough. Well, I mean, Josh Sims at Reading's a weird one because I think that he was just misused at Reading. And to be fair, they've sacked two managers, I think, or they sacked a manager and replaced a new one. And then the new manager wasn't keen on Sims, and then Sims was on the bench yesterday. So, I mean, and like I said, and Ralph was very open about him and said, I like what Sims does. And I think Sims can prove Redden fans wrong. So a lot of them say they don't see how he's anywhere near a Premier League squad. But I think I, I remember back to his, I know obviously it was one game, but at Anfield when he produced that run to set up long for the moment, I, mm-hmm. I think it's good. So I think based on the people that have come back, I think Sims is the one that I think is in his four in his eyes at the moment. I think when Hess gets back, I think, but I did read something that Burton would like to say Hess gets back. So I wouldn't be surprised if he didn't maybe appear there again. I think he's come back in here just to get recovered really. Yeah. All right. One more from, from Patreon member who actually left it on Twitter. He says, all right, on goalkeeper choice reaction, I think we talked about it a little bit earlier, but he says there seems to be a divide between the fans on who should be our number one. How has this come about? Uh, what has Alex McCarthy done for calls to be dropped or how does this affect the dressing room when it's being discussed so much online and in the media? I brought this up a couple of weeks ago because there were people on Instagram and on Twitter saying McCarthy needs to be dropped. We're allowing all these goals. We're not keeping clean sheets. My defense of him at that point was it was mostly on our defense. You look at the goals we're conceding. We're giving people free looks from inside the six yard box. What do you expect? Or these are deflected efforts from 35 yards that because people aren't being closed down maybe I'm making excuses for McCarthy at that point, but I think that in the dressing room, when, and we, we were even told in, in the press conferences that Gunn was going to get two games. There had been a ton of, of matches and, and, and by doing that, maybe it shouldn't have caused a reaction the way it did. But I think that fans were always looking for what's going on. And you look at the way Gunn played. And if this was a, you know, if, if we had had the match that we had last boxing day, uh, against Tottenham where Forrester was an absolute disaster and then he was dropped after that had McCarthy had a game like that and Gunn come in and played the way he did maybe it's different but I don't know And it, but then also Gunn plays so well against Chelsea keeps a clean sheet um, 
and and, and does some really impressive things and and then he he's gone again but that was already discussed and all this stuff so i don't know if it should have been a, that big of an issue and i think uh house and hoodle said in the in his press conference that uh he's already made his choice on who the number one was uh he wasn't going to tell us and he didn't tell us and we would see and we saw that mccarthy was in goal so um well for me because he like i said he said that he sat them he sat them down and explained his decision like i said apparently alex was aware that he was going to Dunn was going to get two games and then angus was aware that mccarthy's likely to come back so i don't think it was i think the keepers have got a good understanding and the thing is of Alex is he's an experienced goalkeeper now. He would know that Angus is. The, I mean, like I said, we've spent a good amount of money on that Angus, and he will. And I do eventually see him. But as you said, if it's fire an injury or something, Gun will be our number one for many years. But the thing, the thing is, people seem to have. And I don't mean this. I don't like to say this, but some people do have short memories on McCarthy because he was so. He was one of the reasons we stayed up last season. Some of us, I mean, some of the, I mean, yes, this season I've seen him have a few mistakes in him, but but then yesterday he made some brilliant saves. He is a good goal. He's, I said it, he has the moments, but for me, him and Gunn are brilliant goalkeepers, and that's and I think it's good that we've got two goalkeepers. And, and like I said, McCarthy knows one, like I said, as you said, an injury or one slip of form, and he's gone. We know what we know. Obviously, we'll come on to him in a minute. With Forster, do you know what I mean? He's gone gone out of the picture. So, it, it, I said, Dunn, so McCarthy knows what the risks are of being in goal. And he knows, because he's done it to Forster, so he knows it could happen to him. Do you know what I mean? So, it's, yeah, I think it was just made too much. They, the keepers knew what the situation was. So, and I think that's all it should have been. It should have been the keepers knew what it was, and everyone should have been happy with that. It's just I think it was a bit of a convenience that Gunn had a real good game at Chelsea. I don't think anyone was expecting that. Everyone was probably expecting us to get trounced and go, right, he's at a goal, that's it. Do you know what I mean? They weren't expecting us to him to have that game. Do you get what I mean? Yeah, I mean I I think I think we're we're kind of in a good spot in terms of we have a, a young goalkeeper who is hungry to play. We have a veteran goalkeeper who has finally gotten his chance, who understands where Gunn is coming from because McCarthy was was kind of didn't have those chances early on and he had injury setbacks and everything else. But like so I think McCarthy understands where Gunn is coming from and that Gunn is always going to push to want to play. Um, but I think that goalkeepers also have this kind of weird friendship understanding. You see it between keepers of opposing teams. Um, I mean, they stick together better than the referees and that's hard to do. So uh, I think I think they'll be fine. Um, unless I see training pictures of them throwing blows at each other, then uh, I, I think we'll be we'll be all right. But but yeah, um, we have one question from Instagram. We won't we won't go over the question that you threw in there, uh, but thank you for that. Um, I don't know if that was you on your account or somebody else. Was that you? No, it wasn't me. It wasn't me. <laughs> um, <laughs> so we have another question on Instagram from it's A S E M A D R I A N, um, and he says, "What's your opinion on Gardos? P.S. He just transferred to another club." And and the only thing I think I have to say about this is you have to go back to. I think it's 2014, 2015 to find a time that he played in the premier league for Southampton. Um, he had some, he had an FA cup appearance. He had uh, an EFL cup appearance. He had some premier league two appearances, but injuries just ruined him at his time at Southampton and for him to go on and, and, and play uh, elsewhere. I am happy for him because I think that, that he, he should be doing that. It wasn't going to work out for him here. 
but he's not really playing a ton of minutes um even even in 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 Romania so um I think he's a nice enough guy I still follow him on Instagram I enjoy seeing the pictures of the Romanian countryside um but that that that's basically it yeah I mean well interesting I'll ask me that's an interesting question uh but yeah no we've got I mean yeah Garda follows the page still I as I as you say I still check out how he's doing I think he's I think he's currently on a break in Romania, so you, that's probably why you're not seeing many game photos. I think now was it a winter break for them? Well, they have to because it's all frozen and ice and yeah. stuff. But yeah, no, he's a nice. I said he's a nice guy. I, so, as you said, it was sad. Sadly for him, his injuries cost him a lot. I mean, he had a brilliant performance. I remember going back. He replaced Toby Alderweireld at Man United, and he absolutely played a astounding game coming everyone was like god that's what he was he gonna do and he kept he was brilliant and then but now i mean we don't miss him i mean look at the, the options we've got now i mean I, I i love the bloke and he does listen to this i do love you florine but unfortunately <laughs> he, he wasn't what we need and he's and i'm glad like you said he's back up and he's back home now with his family so happy move all around i'd say yeah absolutely and and the kind of last question we have is is from McLean.Brown. He left it on uh, on the post that you made on uh, on Instagram. And he says, shame, shame to see Gabby go uh, or leave. Any other transfer rumors that excite you? And I think it's a good time to talk about uh, some of the, the moves. And we, we knew that the Stephen Davis thing was going to happen when we recorded the last episode, but it hadn't been made official yet, I don't think. Um, but Stephen Davis to Rangers, I mean, uh, Aiden and I kind of covered that last year, but I mean, do you have any any other different opinion? Do you think it's the right move? I I think we all kind of feel like it was the right time for that to happen, and it was uh it's good to see him go back and 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 play. And I don't know the other thing if you saw there was a post um going around Instagram of this little tiny Rangers fan watching a game and um uh, they scored a goal and he just like got up and ran around the the room. Did you see this? Yeah, I did see this. Yeah, I mean. I am not a, a soft hearted person. And that was pretty adorable. Like I, I even had to, had to like, like it, show my wife. Um, and that's not something I normally do, but the fact that, because for me, the reason I bring that up is because for me, Steven Davis had some of those moments for us when he took part in some of the, the moves that we had, some of the goals that we had and some of the things going on. And he wasn't able to do that at Southampton anymore. So the fact that he's going to go to Rangers and play, and have the chance to make that kid do that again, like that makes me happy. Yeah, I mean, I Stephen David, I love the guy. I said he's one of my favorite all round players. Southampton legend. I know people say legend, but I for me, he's a Southampton legend. He's been here. He's captain the side. He's taken us. He's led us into Europe a few times. He's I said he's an all round professional. He's he's what he, he, you call as you were alluding to earlier in the stream as a leader. So that's another big miss. You take. Even out of the, the equation, that but he's back where he, he well he said it he said it himself he's back home. So I mean, so he's back where he wants to be and he's happy and I've seen photos of him and he looks so proud to be wearing a Rangers shirt and I'm just so happy for him. Shame he he wasn't used enough here, but then I look at the options in our midfield and it was very hard for him to face. He was right to go and I think it was the right time to and he's playing under Stephen Gerrard. I mean, can't. Yeah. It must be weird because I think they're similar ages. I think. Well, obviously, I was a bit older, but you know what I mean. It must be yeah. an interesting one. Yeah. Um, and speaking of people who went home, um, Gabby Dini. Uh, I mean, out of favor here now for under several managers. Uh, and 
you think about the goals that 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 people score and and sometimes you know you score you know you score maybe a hundred goals or whatever it is and and not all of them are going to be remembered um gabby dini definitely didn't score that many but i think the a large percentage of his goals are ones that stick out in our memory um you think of the efl cup final you think about uh it might have been his first goal for for the club where he just kind of ripped it into the top of the net um kind of out of nowhere uh, you think about the the scrappy Swansea City goal. You just think about all those things, and you think about how important um, his goals were to the club in terms of um, just that day at, at 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 Wembley, that EFL Cup final. That I don't know. Like I haven't had that feeling. I don't think since. And maybe maybe the Swansea game, the Swansea goal, but that was just more of a a relief, and I wanted to throw up all day. But like, um, I don't know. I mean. For for him to move on, it's uh, it's it's sad to see him go. But at the same time, it's maybe maybe like we said, like with, with Stephen Davis, it is the right probably thing to do. He's he needs to play. Uh, he's got aspirations of continuing to play for the Italian national team. So, um, I don't know what what are you going to remember about Gabbiadini? I mean, Gabbiadini for me is always going to be a player that I'll never forget because I said the feet. I mean, watching well, two feelings. I mean, the one near FL Cup final, I still. It bears me to this day because I still think he should have had a hat trick, and I'll still and I'll continue to say he should have had a hat trick until day dot. But yeah, he that game was just brilliant, and the Swansea game, he the emotions I've had after he scored that goal was, was something I'd never got the whole re and the you know what I mean the whole build up to it, the, the scrappiness of it, and then him just stick. And he had such a tough season anyway. And and he done that and the feeling after. I mean, I, I mean, the, you saw all the videos after and all the emotion from the game. And, hit, and that will always stand in my heart from what he done. And I'm glad that he managed to move on. It, it was never going to work from here because as Ralph explained in his press conference, Gabardini, unfortunately, he had to sit in the stands or go back home. And another one like Davis, I think it was the right time to move again. Yeah, I was trying to once again bring my wife up, but I was trying to explain to her, you know, I said, Oh, Manolo Gabbiadini went back to Italy and she's kinda of said, like, Well, I haven't heard you talk about him in a while. And I was like, Well, that's because he hasn't been playing and and she's like, So it doesn't mean anything and I was like, Well, you know, there's some holdover there from last season and, and from the season before and he came in and was it was so good early on. He got that little injury, I think, against Tottenham, uh, his first season that kind of seemed to be the where he stalled in terms of uh, really scoring goals. But yeah, I mean, I'm going to remember those two nights, Wembley and, and Swansea for a long time. Those will be places that we talk about and we will always remember him for that. And so, you know, maybe, maybe as history, as time goes on, the, the history you look through rose tinted glasses and you only remember the good times. And I think that's fine. I think that's a, a good way for him to remember. And his post on Instagram was, uh, was heartfelt and sincere and um, you know, I, uh, I I wish him the best, and the club that he went to, Sampdoria, might have the best crest of all time. Um, I don't know if you've looked at it recently, um, but I thought it was I, I thought it was great. But um, or I think it's great. Um, the only other thing we have to talk about, I think, is is, is Fraser Forrester, and then this will wrap it up. We're we're kind of uh, coming near the end of our time, but I mean, Fraser Forrester, he's not in the plans, right? Uh, it doesn't seem like it seems like we have two keepers and, and this was all kind of uh, not that the, what was said about Fraser Forrester in terms of his, his mental health state and all of that stuff. I don't think that was, we have, that hasn't been confirmed, but it hasn't also, it hasn't been 
um, said it wasn't untrue either. So, but, but, but the, the kind of, um, I guess the news about him being in Ralph Hassenhutl's plans was, was not true. So at this point, a guy on big wages, I mean, what do you, what do you do with him? How do you, how do you address that? Fraser is a very, when he's on a huge contract, it's hard to get rid of him. I've seen a post today saying that Southampton are looking to loan him out again, but they want a club to pay 60k of his wages, which I'm just thinking that's just not gonna. I can't see a club wanting, especially the clubs he's been linked with. I mean, he's been linked with people like Leeds. It was the other one. He's been linked. I think it was this was before Joe Hart went. He was linked with Burnley, other clubs like that. But I can't see someone giving Southampton 60k to have forced on loan. I think it's got to be either some China team that just chucks 50 million at players for no reason or so, I mean he can't think he's, you think he's not played a game of football since Boxing Day 2017 and we're on this January the, I mean that's, that's nearly two years well it's not two years yet but it'll be two years so, I mean, we're heading into this, this second all yeah, game it's in the full calendar year and he can't and I said you could, I, I said I do feel sorry for him because he, you think he turns up I mean some people would say well look at the money he gets it's, it's a laugh but you're not telling me he enjoys going to train and go home and then doesn't. So I mean, and then he knows he's not going to play. Like you said, he knows he's not going to play. So he's sitting in the stands, and that's not what you want with your, with your career. Do you know what I mean? That's no. that's like getting a job, like you getting your job and just sitting there and doing nothing. You wouldn't want to do nothing, would you? You'd want to actually do your job that you're there paid to do, wouldn't you? So it's yeah. I don't know what you think about that, but I think there's a part of. I said I know he's on huge money, but. I feel sorry for him at the same time. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I think a, a couple of things in that I don't think very many footballers get to this point where they are playing for a Premier League team or any kind of professional team without a ton of work and really wanting to be there. You know, I'm sure there are some people who are just that good and kind of just go through the motions and can get there. But I think that a lot of people are going to have to put their head down and work and know that this is the goal. The goal is to play. And I mean, you, you have issues with some players who just refuse to be traded or, or refuse to be sold or refuse to be loaned out so they can collect their paycheck. And I think, but I think that's the exception to the rule, you know? And I think that for Fraser Forrester, I think it's, he, he went through all of that stuff. He had the injury, he had the bad run of form. He had whatever was happening in his personal life. All of that affected him clearly. Um, I think the fans, I, I, I spoke about it last week on the show in the, in the intro, that I think the fans had a, played a role in that in terms of we get upset, we get nasty, we get, um, you know, we feel hurt when the team doesn't play well and we want the team to stay up. And if you're the reason that we think that's happening, we're going to say something. And sometimes it just takes, I mean, looking back on it, looking at some of the things that people wrote, like it's it's no wonder that he kind of, stopped interacting and, and stopped doing those things. That's not a, a I don't think it's a, a surprise given, given what he uh, what saw on his timeline and some of the things he was tagged in, but I don't know. It's, you want the best for people. You want the best for, for him. I thought he was once, once again, he was kind of the goalkeeper when I, when I started watching the team, really uh, him and him and Kelvin Davis. So I, it, it's sad for me to see him kind of move on this way, but um I don't think the wages are going to make it really possible for a lot of these teams to to do it. Maybe he goes down and plays under 23s for a while. Um, but you know, uh, eventually maybe he's just got to move to a lower, a lower division and take a, take, take a pay cut and just kind of keep his career going for a while. 
Yeah, because the problem is his contract is lasts until twenty twenty two. So we're on not twenty nineteen. He could be sat here for another, and then he can't be doing that. There's got no things for me. I think some we've either just got to find the because I think the in a way I think the club should be paying for him anyway. We're the we're the ones that handed him the contract, so we should right. be going. Look, we made the mistake of handing you a five year deal. He was going to accept it. Who wouldn't? I mean, he got he's what he was one of the he put on one of the highest paid players. You can't. I said he's. I mean, the under twenty for me. I I like the under twenty three level, but when a club is willing to pay play you in the under twenty three levels, get people the clubs to look at you. That's a massive shot on the foot, isn't mm-hmm. it? So let's be honest. If they're willing to put you in the under twenty threes for clubs to come and watch you. At his age and experience of the game, he's he's not he's not any old keeper. I mean, he's played some good amount, and he used to he was on before he got dropped off us. He was on the verge of being England number one. Uh-huh. Sam Allardyce used to put him ahead of Joe Hart mm-hmm. at one point, and like I said, I just I'm really passionate about it because I I said I just think he's he needs to move. It, it's it's desperate times. He needs to even if he just said to the club, look, he might he won't, and I understand this. Even if he says to the club, "I'll pay half my wages off. Just get me to go on a free transfer." Do you know what I mean? I would try. I would look yeah. at my agent and go, "Hey, what can I do? I need to play football." But then it forces. Look, he might. I don't know. So this is not a, a view at all of his. Who knows? But he could be sat there going, "I'm, I'm happy to sit here on, on my wages and do and go in week. I, I don't. We don't know, do we? Until we someone sat him down and went, "Fraser, what's happening?" Well, what I mean, because he won't talk to anyone on, as I said, with social media, he's deleted his Twitter account because of abuse. He doesn't let anyone comment on his Instagram posts, so he's in a bit of a lost situation at the moment by the looks of it. Well, and some of the stuff that came out said that he just wasn't—he didn't feel like he was ready to be the number one. He wasn't ready to deal with that pressure. And once again, like it's an unconfirmed report, so who knows? And I don't want to spread rumors, but this is us kind of trying to make sense of the situation. And and that, given the other things that was said, tends to to line up and make sense. And that he's gone through some stuff, he feels comfortable in Southampton, he feels comfortable around the guys and he feels comfortable around all that stuff. And sometimes that's what you need. If you're not, if things aren't going well, you just need to, to, to feel comfortable. And also sometimes what you need is to, to be kind of shocked out of that, which is put yourself in a new situation, but it's all, it's down to the person. And if he doesn't feel he's ready, then anywhere he goes, he's not going to perform the way he wants. And he's not going to have the, the desired kind of impact. And that could only make things worse. So I think we just have to wait and see. And, and uh, I don't think we'll see him. Uh, playing for the the first team if we start seeing him show up in some under 23 matches i mean january's half over so there's only so much time to to move him on before we we uh, you know wind up paying the his wages for the rest of the season and and then we'll see what happens over the summer think about it he stayed there past january he sat here for another what was it january february march april may another five months no i mean it's just and to me i don't know how fit he's going to be playing again i mean Right. I mean, he keeps himself fit, but that's not, he's not playing any games. That was, I mean, he needs probably, that's why probably 23s will be an option for him. But I just hope, finishes, yeah, finishes us off. I just hope he does manage to either get a move now or in the summer. He just needs, I just, I've never been so praying for someone to get a move like him because he needs it. Otherwise, he, his career could go into, right. I can't think of the word, into a darkness, not darkness, but I can't think of the right word for it, but just go just get lost yeah it'll just fade away and then kind of he'll be one of those guys who was on the brink of of being england number one and this is how it turned out and it'll 
somebody will write a story on it in 10 years and we'll go, Oh man, that was so sad. And we'll look back and go, actually, we were, you know, we were there in the moment and all kind of a part of it. So, uh, we'll see. But anyway, this maybe hopefully this has been a, a somewhat kind of positive show because I think that, that, uh, even if, if some of the stuff we talked about wasn't, wasn't always, but I mean, the fact that we're out of the relegation zone, the fact that we kind of, uh, one, we, we beat Claude, which, you know, he, as nice as he is, we got to beat him because he was our old manager. Um, that was the first time as well. So yeah. Time. Yeah. Um, he's kind of <laughs> held it over us there for a while. Um, you know, the tactics are working. The guys are working hard. JWP scored a goal, long scored a goal. Like there are a lot of positives around the relegation zone. So I think moving into, to, uh, what, what will be a tough test midweek, I think, depending on the rotation that, that Darby, that Darby, uh, put out. Um, but then another kind of winnable fixture, you would say, uh, against Accrington Stanley after that, if we get through, um, I think it all kind of looks good. And we have a decent run of, of games where we kind of avoid some of the big names. Uh, so I think that this is the time that, uh, all of the hard work is going to pay off and hopefully we start, uh, just climbing a little bit up the table. I'll be much more comfortable if we get, you know, six or seven points clear of the, of the drop zone here. Yeah. I mean, we started the month off. Well, I mean, if we can, we've got, I so said, we've got Everton coming up and then we've got, I think a, a couple of games at home, Cardiff, Crystal Palace, you'd hope by the end of the month, we'd look a bit more, not, I'm not saying hundred percent safe, but looking a bit more rosy in the garden. All right, man. Well, um, I think that's it. I think we're, I think we covered it all. And, um, Thanks as always for for coming on the show and thank you for your support of the show over the past two years. Um, it, I mean, it means, it means a lot to me and it, it, it definitely helps with getting the show in front of more people. Um, people can follow you at the Southampton page on both Twitter and Instagram. You're and you're also on Twitter at Polish Maldini. Uh, the links to those of course are in the show notes, but uh, Jamie, thank you so much for, for joining the show and uh, I appreciate it. Yep, thanks for having me on as always. Look forward to seeing you next time. Absolutely. That does it for this episode of the Southampton Delivery Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us. I hope that you've enjoyed it. Special thanks this week to Jamie, who joins us from the Southampton page. Be sure to follow them at the Southampton page on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, and uh, you can get to their links in the show notes, so don't hesitate to do that. You can also follow this show at SFCDELL underscore IVERY on Twitter and Instagram, and we're at Facebook.com forward slash SFC delivery. There is no underscore in the Facebook address. If you haven't done so already, you can subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, ACAST, Google Play, TuneIn Radio, or wherever you get your podcast to be sure that you do not miss future episodes. And you can check out the show's new website at SouthamptonDelivery.com. If you are enjoying the show, please consider leaving a review on iTunes or wherever you listen, or potentially becoming a member of the Patreon community at patreon.com slash SFC delivery. By signing up to become a patron, you'll have access to a private chat. Your questions will be given priority for being answered on the show, and you'll get access to exclusive content only for Patreon members. The logo for the show is done by Matt Beeling of the We Are Southampton page. For all your match day edits, polls, competitions, and more, be sure to check out the We Are Southampton page on Instagram. The Southampton page, which Jamie runs, is the official partner account of the podcast. If you don't already follow them, I would highly recommend you do so. 
All music for the show comes courtesy of the Free Music Archive at freemusicarchive.org. The intro song is Epic Song by Boxcat Games, and the end of show credits that you're listening to right now is Aim is True by Pottington Bear. does it for this week uh thank you all for listening i hope you have a fantastic week hopefully the team can move past darby county on wednesday and hopefully we get a result at the weekend as well we will be back next week with another episode with the guys from the in that number podcast and until then remember that together we march on